Welcome to the Morning Moxie Show. I am your host, Alicia Sharp, and today we have Pastor Stephen Furtick on the show. And he's going to be talking to us about don't blow it. Basically, he's sharing with us how we need to not take what God has given us and worship it. Like he's talking about a scripture in Haggai where they where they worship, like they build their own houses and they forget about building the house of God. And I think many of us do that exact things. We get so busy with our own lives, so busy with what's going on around us, so busy with our jobs, so busy with our families that we forget to focus on the house of God, on building his temple, on seeing his fame come to pass. Here's Pastor Stephen. I think God presents himself in the form of opportunity. And when you look at Haggai chapter 1, you are seeing a people who are responding to an opportunity. It's interesting because Haggai has a very hard job as a preacher. He has to deliver a message of urgency in a time of discouragement. Often it's difficult to motivate or inspire people to action when they are already discouraged about the outcome of their life. In order to create a sense of motivation, he gives the people a contrast between their effort and their outcomes. He has them evaluate the results of their lives relative to the effort. And so thinking about this passage, of course, made me begin to think about seventh grade South Carolina geography class. Because apparently the people were saying something in Haggai's time. They had a saying, and God overheard them talking. And they would say, verse 2, the people would say, this is the people from Judah, which is the southern kingdom of Israel, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Notice that. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, different cultures have different sayings. You know this, right? And if you did not grow up in the South, perhaps from time to time, it is shocking to you to hear some of our sayings and to try to decipher the meaning of them. I will never forget Miss Taylor. I probably should have given her a pseudonym, but I've said her name now. The day that she corrected my Southern slang in front of the whole class. Now, granted, I deserved it. I was such a punk in seventh grade. Granted, I deserved it because she had told us to pull out our books and begin our silent reading time. Granted, I was talking to somebody instead of pulling out the book like I was told to do. But did it give her the right to say the following? I'll let you be the judge. Stephen Furtick, did you not hear me say, pull out your book? Now, Miss Taylor was a northerner. So what I said next, she had no context for. I said, I'm sorry, Miss Taylor. I'm fixing to. <laughs> she said, Stephen Furtick. <laughs> she said, before you leave my class, I am going to make sure that you understand how ignorant you sound when you say things like, I'm fixing to. Nobody else in the world outside of South Carolina says things like, I'm fixing to. 
And if you go anywhere else in the world in your life and say, I'm fixing to, it is going to automatically cause people to question your intelligence. Not only do you not have your book out, you are not even able to speak intelligently to deliver an excuse about why your book is not out. I said, I'm about to. Is that better? And it really doesn't matter what you call it. The, the problem was procrastination. And I found out we have a lot of different things we say to disguise our procrastination. Can I give you one thing we say in church? We don't say, I'm fixing to. We say, I'm praying about it. I will preach this word until three people are left in the first two rows of Elevation Valentine. And it's cool because you do need to pray about some things, but some things that God just told you to do, get your book out, do not require prayer. They require action. And that guy has a hard job because the people on one level are, are making progress. At least it seems to them like progress. And the question becomes, this is point number one, they'll put these on the screen, is it progress or is it procrastination? Because apparently there were some really nice subdivisions going up in the suburbs of Judah. The exiles have been back from Babylon now 20 years, and that was a God thing, wasn't it? I mean, they didn't know if they'd ever come back. And only because Persian control took the territory of Babylon back were they able to come back and rebuild their homeland. And when they first got back, they thought they'd rebuild the temple because it had been destroyed. It was the preeminent place for the presence of God to be manifest among his people so that he would have a dwelling place. You and I understand that now this temple is not a physical building, but it is you and I, the temple of the Holy Spirit, where God dwells and where God lives. But in the midst of rebuilding this place where God had appointed his presence to dwell, something was lacking in their perseverance, or perhaps it was just that they got distracted. This has helped me so much in trying to minister to people and challenge people and call people higher to God's standard is that often people are not willfully disobedient. They are just distracted. You know what I mean? I don't think that people always decide to live in disobedience. Sometimes life just creates such a scenario. And this is what Haggai said. He said, each of you is busy with your own house. I thought that was an interesting phrase that he said, you're busy with your own house. He didn't say they were bad people, just that they were busy people. I don't think those of you who don't serve in the church don't serve in the church because you're satanic. I just think your kids probably have soccer. It's not Satan, it's soccer. I'm not sure the two are that much different. Y'all know I hate soccer. That's just not a secret, people. I, 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 I'm not sure in a couple of weeks we're going to take an offering. And I don't think there's anybody that will be in the church who will not appreciate the offering that is given because it's the very offering that was given a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago that built the church that you are a part of today where God blesses your life. It is the very sacrifice that happens this time every year 
and not just at the end of the year, but weekly and monthly as people give to God and put him first. I think everybody values that on one level, especially the business owners. I was talking to a business owner one time. He said, I'm so glad I don't have your job. I said, why is that? You don't like to speak? He said, no, I don't mind speaking. He said, I just can't imagine running a business where people came and decided whether they wanted to pay for the service or not. I would go broke if I ran my business like that. But here at our church, over and over again, people have stepped up sacrificially and consistently, and here's the key word, systematically, to put God first, because I understand that my harvest is connected to God's house. Now, this is where the word gets rich. Sometimes you are struggling in your life in ways that you do not understand, but you are not directly discerning the source of the dysfunction, such as the case for the people in Haggai's day. He said, you're disappointed, aren't you? I know you are. It's August. It's the season for figs and grapes and pomegranates, and you planted a lot of seed. But when you went to get the harvest, it was only half of what you expected. Have you ever invested in something or someone? Keep eye contact with me when I say what I say next. <laughs> Only to wonder, how could I put so much into it and get so little out of it? Have you ever? Have you ever? This is the seen in Haggai's day. Remember, this is a specific word to specific people, but I think it has universal application, and it is a timeless truth, is that when you do not start your process with God at the center, it will always end in disappointment. And it will not matter how much energy you give it, or how much talent that you have, or, 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 or or how sincere you are in your efforts. I'm telling you, man, I have sat with rich people, famous people, people with great status and no satisfaction, great prosperity and no peace, because any process that does not start with God ends in disappointment. Write that down. Teach it to your kids. Put it on your mirror. Any process that does not start with God ends in disappointment. You plant much. You reap little. You get dressed. You're not warm. You drink. You drink. You drink. You drink. You drink. You drink. But you are bottomless. And even the blessings that God gives you will be, will be, can I say it this way? Hollow. It's a hollow harvest. And while the people were busy building their own houses, busy building their own bodies, busy building their own dreams, busy planning their own future, they, they neglected the place of God's presence. That was Pastor Stephen Furtick, and you can find that clip on YouTube if you search under Stephen Furtick, Don't Blow It, Waymaker. 
And you can also find out more information about him at his website, stephenfurtick.com. I hope you have a wonderful day today, and I will see you again tomorrow. God bless.